Hi, this is Kathy Jordan from Dervish, and you are listening to Follow Your Dream podcast with Robert Miller. Everyone has a dream. Robert Miller is a musician who had a dream to become a rock star. He followed his dream and he succeeded. If you're ready to pursue and succeed at your dream, then listen up and get inspired and motivated to take action today. Welcome to the Follow Your Dream podcast. Hi, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Follow Your Dream podcast with listeners in 200 countries. I'm Robert Miller, your host. My guest today is Eleanor Shanley, a celebrated Irish singer. She began her career in 1990 with the band De Denon, with whom she recorded two acclaimed albums. After five years, she left to pursue a solo career and has since performed all around the world. Her album, Eleanor Shanley and Friends, went platinum, which is something you rarely see these days. She has collaborated with Ronnie Drew, formerly of the Dubliners, and with the Dubliners themselves, among many others. And she sung for the Queen of Denmark and the President of Ireland. And in the middle of this episode, as I do with all of my musical guests, we are going to do a song fest. And that means that I've asked Eleanor to give me a handful of her best works. We're going to play a little bit of them. I'm going to ask her some questions. You'll get the backstories. And nobody else does this in podcasts. And you also know, if you've been listening to this podcast religiously, as I hope you have, that in every episode, I feature a song of mine underneath the introduction and at the end. And I always try to make that song relevant somehow to my guest. And in this instance, I've chosen the song, The Queen's Carnival, which is the title song of the album of the same name, of course, by my band Project Grand Slam. Why did I choose this? Well, Eleanor sang for the Queen of Denmark, and my song is all about another queen. So I thought that it fit. So, Eleanor Shanley, welcome to the Follow Your Dream podcast. Thank you, Robert. I'm delighted to be here. All right. So I have to ask, because I focused on this thing about singing for the queen. What was it like? Oh, it was lovely. She was the most relaxed human being. It was, it was some years ago now, but... Uh, it was the anniversary of a little town in Denmark called Tunner. So I was invited over to sing for her, from which she was visiting the town. And uh, Queen Margaret, she sat there in front of us smoking cigarettes all the time. Quite relaxed. Lovely. Really lovely. I was actually hoping I'd get to marry one of the sons, but that didn't work out. So how did she choose you? Why were you chosen to sing? There's a huge festival in that town every year. And I did that festival many times. And so it was the people who were running the festival asked me would I come over and entertain Queen. You see. And I also, her name is Margaret, and uh, I used to sing a song, and I still do, called Maggie. And uh, that was one of the songs they wanted me to sing for her. To sing their child, to the And you said you loved only me. 
which is a love song about Maggie. I'm just wondering, you know, I've heard artists talk about what it was like to perform for the Queen of England. Okay, there were certain things you could say that you couldn't say. You had to bow and scrape and all of that. Were there rules about how you had to act in front of the Queen of Denmark? It wasn't like that. It was very, very chilled. I mean, there was security and all of that, but there was no such thing as kind of bowing and scraping or anything like that. No. Okay. We don't have that in the United States, so it's always interesting for us to hear about what it's like to perform before royalty somewhere else in the world. We don't have that here either, so we're not used to kind of... All right. So tell me, were you a, a singer from birth, or when did you become a singer? I was, I just loved to sing, and I grew up in a farm. And I remember I'd be out, and my parents would be milking the cows, and I'd be singing away. And I just came home from school one evening and my mother heard me singing a full song. And she said, my goodness, you can sing. So then she, I was about eight or nine at that stage. And she entered me in a local competition and I won. And from there, there was no stopping me singing. So your parents were not musicians or singers themselves? My mother and her family were all what we call fireside singers. So there'd be parties in the house and they'd all, her sisters, and she had one brother who was a really superb singer but none of them were professional i love that phrase fireside singers i've never heard that before yeah. but i guess that means people coming over for parties and just informal get-togethers right exactly sit by the fireside and sing a song uh-huh. so what was the song that you were singing that your mom heard that day believe it or not it was a song about my own county and it's a song called my own leitrim home because i'm from county leitrim in the northwest of ireland originally and it was that song that kind of drew her attention and I learned it in school. Our county is in most of the rich land We're for that kind of road and everywhere But I'd give me a home in all Bethany And food on a green-covered hill And I still sing that song all those years later. Nice. All right, so she entered you in the competition. You won the competition. What happened after that? After that, I went through school and I would just be singing again, fireside singer. And I went into lots of competitions and won some, lost some, the usual. But I went off then after finishing school, I went to Dublin to work in an office job. And I was working nine to five in the personnel department of an industrial training company. But I studied drama at nighttime for many years. And I also used to go to music sessions. So at one of the music sessions, the man who owned the pub and his friend heard me sing. Dolores Kane, who was singing with Daydanon at the time, had just left. So they contacted Daydanon. And two weeks later, I was touring the world with Daydanon. So what was that like? I was a tourist, really, because this was such a different life. And uh, to get sing for a job, it was like, I couldn't believe it. And my family were really supportive. I was lucky because none of them said, no, you can't You keep your permanent job. You can't, you know, it'd be terrible to go sing. And they were all really supportive and are to this day. So I went off around the world as happy as could be. How lucky you are. There's so many parents that would have said, are you going to give up a real paying job for this? For sure. But I think the fact I was third in the family and the two elder sisters kind of had their permanent jobs and were content in it. But I think 
they all knew that this wasn't me working in, in an office job. While I didn't mind and I made great friends there, it just wasn't me. I had a, this creative streak that needed to get out. They probably also thought, well, if it doesn't work, the two older sisters can support it for a while. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be me thinking that way. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So you're on the road. You're touring the world with the Dannon. Yep. Tell us a little bit about that whole experience. You were with them for at least five years, right? Yep. And uh, gosh, we did the States, we did Japan, we did Australia, Canada, most of Europe. It was incredible. And the, the first trip I did to the States with them, we were playing in Los Angeles for a party and uh, the party was for Jack Nicholson. Uh -huh. And it was incredible. Robert Palmer was there, Jack Nicholson. Uh, Angelica Houston, because they were a couple at that time, uh, Sam Shepard. And it was, to me, like coming from Leitrim into this, I was gobsmacked, but it was great. So this was a private party of some kind? Yeah, and we had to play it. St. Patrick's Day. So Now, what kind of music did the Danon play? Was it traditional Irish music? Traditional, yes, traditional Irish. A little bits of kind of folk thrown in, like we did a version of Cross the Borderline. And uh, some Memi Luhara stuff, but in a traditional way, you know, there'd be kind of a little bit of cross into folk and then the strict traditional as well, because it's not everywhere you can actually tour as an Irish band and that the audience will accept that you're doing some folk and country music as well, you know. I totally understand. Did you have like the whistles and all of the other traditional Irish instruments? Yes. Fiddle, whistle, baron which is the drum, the Irish drum, um, guitar, flute, and cello. And the cello was beautiful with traditional music. You know, it's interesting to me that all the various Irish singers and musicians that I've met and had on the podcast, everybody does the traditional songs. Yeah. And there seems to be a wealth of traditional Irish songs. You never run out of them, do you? Absolutely. I was involved in a project in my home place in Leitrim, about six years ago, and it was called the Leitrim Equation. And our job was to go through the archives and find out, find old music of Leitrim. Well, I could tell you, you could still, you could be searching every single day and still come up with stuff that has is yet to be uncovered. It's extraordinary. There's a wealth of, of stuff there. And so much of it is part of the oral tradition, right? It was not written down. Yes. So how do you how do you discover things that were not written down that were part of this tradition? Some a lot of it would have been written by people who would archive it. You know, you'd have people who are music collectors, song collectors, or tune collectors. So they would be in archives, and you'd have to go trawling through them for the written thing. But as far as recordings or anything like that, you know, there was no no recordings way way back, obviously. So it was a case of trying to figure it out from the the written music. So when you find a song like that, you probably don't know the song, right? Because there's so many of them. How do you decide how you want to phrase it and how you want it to come out? Just work with it and find an air that will fit it, you know, because sometimes you wouldn't have an air, you'd just be like finding a piece of poetry and just work on it and give it a traditional air or a new air, you know? That's how some songs, you'll find songs that are, like you could have many different lyrics to one song, the one air, because people will have found old songs and put them 
fit them with with a, a, an air that's already there, you know? So in other words, different versions of the same song is what you're saying. Yes. Yeah. Oh, interesting. Okay. So you left the group at one point. You went out on your own. What was it like for for you to do that? I had, you see, with Jadanan, it's kind of, it was, you'd sing a song and then there'd be a set of tunes, a song, a set of tunes. And I wanted to sing more. And uh, I spent five years with them. So I really felt it was time to move on and make my own album, which I did. And uh, I did a few albums then after that. And uh, it was good because it was also a challenge because I had to do my own thing. I had to kind of plow my own furrow and I was responsible for my own decisions. You know, it wasn't a group decision anymore. So it, that was there was good things and bad things about that. It's great to have the support of a group. But at the same time, sometimes it makes me work harder if I have to really put the work in myself to promote my own thing. So it was an adventure. It is an adventure still, believe it or not. Yes, it's a lot of work to be a solo artist. Yes. And particularly the music industry has changed so much since you went solo. I mean, I'm just trying to keep up with, you know, Instagram and all those things. I'm sure it's gone even past that now, you know. So tell me this. The people in Ireland still have CDs and CD players, or is everything streaming? Pretty much everything is streaming, but I actually have a CD player here beside me <laughs> and CDs. Yes, Good for you. I do. You know, it's funny because I, I put out CDs for many, many years. At this point, I don't have a CD player, except my wife found a boombox, if you remember what those were like from like the 1990s. People used to carry them by their ear. Yes, I do. The boombox has a little CD player. So that's the only thing I can play my own CDs on these days. Wow. Yeah, I miss that because, you know, I should move on, but I do miss, I miss the physical CD. I know vinyl is making a big comeback here, but it's still not, it's, you can't, you know, there's no CD players in cars anymore. Right. That was the big change. That was the big change. Hi, everybody. This is Robert Miller, your host. It's finally spring here in the United States. So I'm playing my song, Spring Dance, underneath this message. Spring is a time for renewal and growth. And I've just begun the third year of this podcast. It's been quite a ride so far. Over 170 episodes, more than 800,000 downloads, ranked in the top 1% of all podcasts with listeners in 200 countries. My guests have included famous musicians, actors, directors, broadcasters, corporate CEOs, and others. My goal with each is to have fun and entertain you, the audience. And of course, to inspire you to follow and succeed at your dream. As a professional musician with a dozen highly acclaimed albums and millions of video views and streams, I infuse my music into each episode. And the podcast has allowed me to introduce my music to a worldwide audience. If you haven't done so yet, please subscribe to the podcast so you get each episode when it airs. And also, please sign up for our weekly emails 
which keep you up to date on everything. The links are in the show notes to each episode. And also, please check out our website at followyourdreampodcast.com. I want to thank you all for listening and keep on rocking. Okay, so you sang with the Dubliners. That had to be a big part of your career, huh? It was just lovely um, because they're just icons of the music, Irish music scene, just huge. And they were doing an album called 30 Years of Graying. They were 30 years in the business and they invited us, Daydonan, to perform on the album. So I did two songs with Ronnie Drew on that album. And from there... Myself and Ronnie became great friends. And then we went on to work together for about 12 years until his death. And uh, we made two albums together. And that I just, I loved working with Ronnie. He was just so, nothing happened by chance with him. Everything was so well rehearsed. Even the introductions, they kind of walking on stage, walking off stage, because he wanted to be an actor more than a singer. So he's very conscious of how to behave on stage. Interesting. Good for him. Well, listen, you are a performer, not just a singer or a musician. I mean, it's showbiz, right, that you're part of. Absolutely. So all of those little things make a difference. And you've done a wonderful lead-in because one of the songs that you've suggested here is a song that you did with Ronnie Drew called A Couple More Years. So why don't we go to that? Someday when you're older, you'll smile at a man strong and tall. You'll say, I've got a couple more years on you, baby, that's all. Tell us about that song and your experience singing with Ronnie Drew. He has a very distinctive voice, as you know. Very, very, and uh, like we're at the two different ends of the spectrum when it comes right. to finding a key. So it took forever to find keys. And Mike Hanran from Stockton Swing worked with worked with us as well. So we'd be spend forever just trying loads of different keys and changing kind of the the tune of songs and everything. But it was just such fun, and it was, because the voices were so different. It really was satisfying to sing with him, to hear the, the two voices together. I loved it. I will tell you that when I heard it the first time, I said, these two voices did not go together because they are, as you just said, the opposite ends of the spectrum, so to speak. But after I listened to it a couple of times, I said, gee, I understand exactly now why she enjoyed singing with him. Okay. There was no conflict, if you will. You guys were doing your thing and doing it together, and it just sounded great. Yes, and there was no conflict. We were great friends, so it worked for us, yeah. So he was doing that while he was still in the Dubliners, or how did that work? He had left the Dubliners, and I had left it on him. And that's when we got together. Uh, he wanted to pursue his solo thing, and I was pursuing my solo thing. And then we ended up, after a while, doing our solo thing, working together, but alongside our solo careers. And... Uh, 
we were both kind of in the same boat in the same place at the same time and ended up we were going to Finland actually to do a festival both of us with our own bands doing a festival and while we were there we said why don't we do some recording together and came home and did that and that lasted for 12 years there you go fantastic all right let's do another one of the songs you gave me which is Motherland which I think is a Natalie Merchant song am I correct yes that's correct don't miss this wasteland this terrible place when you your heart off your sleeve Motherland Cradle me Close my eyes Lullaby me to sleep Keep me safe Lie with me Stay beside me Don't go Don't you go All right, so tell us about that. That song was uh, on an album she made, which is commemorating the the victims of that sad 9-11 event. And uh, I love the song. I was recording with with Garadice. Uh, this is the group I'm another group I'm with at the moment. I'm in a load of different <laughs> collaborating. <laughs> I love collaborating with people, so you could find me anywhere. But uh, we're all a Leitrim-based group, and we came from that Leitrim Equation project that I talked about earlier. And uh, when we were doing the album, just I did the song because I love it. And um, we're a group that we do traditional and folk as well. So it fit. I'm curious, you mentioned that the 9-11 background to that song. Was that an event that, you know, even in Ireland, kind of the world stood still when that happened? Absolutely. It was uh, just awful. And everybody and I, we were in shock. I was recording an album actually at that time. Um, it was called Eleanor Shanley and Friends. And uh, Alec Finn was producing it for me. Alec, that was in Dedanon with me. He was producing the album. And his son was in New York. And actually, uh, Father Michael Judge, I don't know if you recall him. With the fire department or police department, was that it? Yes. And he was, there's the iconic photographs of him being carried out of the building. Right. But he was actually from the parish at the village that I grew up in, in County Leitrim, a place called Keshkarig. So we have a Michael Judge Memorial Park by the lake in Keshkarig. And it's beautiful. And it actually hit Ireland and, and our parish, there were two, um, a man, Lynch's, their two nephews were killed in 9-11. And they're just like two miles from us. In later, so it really did hit hit Ireland, yeah. There are so many uh, members of the police and fire departments in New York City that are Irish or you know have Irish backgrounds. So it's not surprising that you would have had something as close to home as you just mentioned. But of course, you know, in the United States, the world stood still, and I've spoken with people around the world, and no matter where people were. I think they just, it, it was one of those moments where the, the, the world just stopped. Yes. Yes. The world went into shock. Okay. Let's go into the next thing. You did a version of Forever Young. Yes. And this is the Bob Dylan version of Forever Young, correct? Yes. Because there is another version. It's actually funny. I think I mentioned to you that in one of our communications that I had 
a gentleman on the show who was the musical director for Rod Stewart. And he and Rod Stewart and their band did their own version of Forever Young. And I was totally confused because I didn't realize there were two different versions of it. I was familiar with the Dylan version. Yeah. And um, anyway, your version, it's a lovely, lovely song and you sing it so well. May you stay Tell us a little bit about that. Well, you mentioned uh, Bob Dylan, and of course, it's it's Dylan's version of the song. But the person that I heard singing it that I truly love, and I went to see her on her farewell tour in Dublin just a couple of years ago, that's Joan Baez. Uh-huh. Because she did an amazing version of it. And uh, I kind of, I was making that album, I called the album Forever Young. And it was kind of at a stage in my life as well, when I'm not getting any younger. And <laughs> Just it felt appropriate at the time. I've said I'm determined to stay young, you know. So uh, I called it Forever Young and I sing it for audiences to give them a wish that they stay forever young. You know, it's a remarkable song. He's an incredible songwriter. He's extraordinary. Yeah. I was reading recently, I think it was they asked Paul Simon, who's another extraordinary songwriter how he ranked himself and some of the other great songwriters of the 20th century. And it was interesting because he put Irving Berlin and Paul McCartney in the first rank. And he put himself and Bob Dylan and a couple of other people in that second rank. Just very interesting for me to hear how somebody as great as him kind of looked at the others. Yes. Yes. And Dylan was uh, remarkable. Okay, so what's in the future for Eleanor Shanley? What are you doing these days? Well, these days I'm actually trying very hard to finish another album with Garadice. Um, we're just in the mixing stages at the moment. So we're hoping to have that out in the next month. And it will be out as a CD as well. So we're praying that somebody will have a CD player. <laughs> well, I'll listen to it on my boombox, I promise you. <laughs> <laughs> good but um I, I funny enough i did a tour of germany in march we did kind of 30 gigs in 32 days and we sold a lot of cds there cds do seem to be selling in some places you know you know i think people get them as souvenirs if you will particularly if you sign them yeah i just don't know how many people actually have cd players anymore that's all that's exactly it but i wish you well with the cds for sure I think we'll have to sell the CDs with the free CD player. There you go. <laughs> Only option. Like that. <laughs> Just buy the CD for a few hundred dollars and you get a free CD player with it. <laughs> yes. So when I've that done, I'm off to Denmark then in a few weeks' time to Skagen Festival. And then I have a, another tour of Germany early next year and some things in Holland at the end of the year as well. So it's busy. Good for you. All right. We have been speaking here with Eleanor Shanley, a wonderful singer. And it's been a pleasure to talk with you about your experience and everything about your wonderful singing. 
from the age of eight when you won your first contest. <laughs> yes, yes. Thank you, Robert. It was an absolute pleasure talking to you. Okay, thanks so much for being on the podcast. Now we're going to listen to that song that I started the episode with. It's my song called The Queen's Carnival. I want to thank you all for listening, and we will see you in the next episode. Thanks for listening to the Follow Your Dream podcast. Make sure to subscribe, rate, and review the podcast so you don't miss another inspiring episode. You can connect with Robert at robert at followyourdreampodcast.com. And you can hear more from his band at projectgrandslam.com and at thepgsstore.com.